You're listening to the Million Praying Moms podcast, where we believe every mom is uniquely designed by God for his purpose, but also a part of something much bigger than she could ever be alone. Authors and moms, Erin Mooring and Brooke McLaughlin. Hey, that's us. Hey, it is. We're going to help you make prayer your first and best response to the challenges of parenting. Listen in on real life conversations with the experts about real issues parents face today and learn practical ways to focus on Christ as you seek wisdom and hope for the difficult job of raising children in today's world. If you're ready to handle life with grace because you've been in the presence of God, you're in the right place. Here are your hosts, teachers, writers, speakers, moms, and lovers of all things cozy, comfortable, and coffee-related, Brooke and Erin. Hey there, friends. You're listening to episode number 27 of the Million Praying Moms podcast, where each week we're talking about the real issues Christian parents face today and equipping you to make the prayer your first and best response to the challenges of parenting. If you haven't already, we would really appreciate your support in leaving a review of our show on iTunes. These help other people find the Million Praying Moms podcast and they help us keep going. We like to hear your positive affirmations, so keep them coming. (laughs) Just (laughs) click review, select ratings and reviews, and write a review, and then let us know what you love about the podcast. We really, really appreciate it. Yes, I'm going to let you all in on a little secret. My love language is words of affirmation. Oh, that's my my husband's love language as well. So, so I'm learning I, to speak it well. Yes. Like, okay, guys, we need them. We need you to tell us we're doing a good job. <laughs> Brooks love tank. Yes, please. Give us Thank those you. words of affirmation. Yes. Yes. So we absolutely love your reviews. Terry Lynn recently said, every mom I know will be encouraged and challenged by this podcast. I have known Brooke and Erin personally for years and I'm thankful to call them friends. They are just as encouraging, kind, and supportive on this podcast as they are in real life. So I know you guys can't see us, but I'm blushing right now because that's really nice. Terry Lynn, thank you so much. She goes on to say, and they find amazing experts and fellow parents to share wisdom with all of us on the topics we all want to learn about. Of course, my favorite part, she says, is the focus on praying for our kids. And these two have been praying, encouraging moms for years and years. We, we thank you for that, Terry Lynn. We just love you. And we thank you for taking the time to leave that review. If you're listening right now, fill my love tank and take <laughs> minutes to go leave your review right away so we know the time we're spending is making an impact on you. Today's episode of the Million Praying Moms podcast is brought to you by Pray the Word Journal. Pre-orders for the first journal of 2020 are open now, and we're very excited to get it into your hands. There have been some really big, fantastic changes to the look of the journal for 2020 that we think you're going to love. Like, we really love them, and we're very excited to get them into your hands. For example, we've up-leveled the cover design and the quality of the paper inside. Everything that we've done to this particular journal is meant for durability. It's really meant to meet the needs of a busy mom's life. And they're so elegant and classic, and we know you're going to love them. You can go ahead and pre-order one at www.praythewordjournal.com. In this edition, we'll be praying through the book of Matthew and pulling in some study about him to help complete it. Spend the first three months of 2020 with us praying for yourself and your children to have a clear understanding of the life of Jesus, 
show mercy and forgiveness, come to salvation through faith in Christ, understand the heart of Jesus toward others, follow Jesus in sacrificing everything for God's greater plan, and so much more. It's really going to be a fantastic study. We're so in love with this one and can't wait to dive in. Nikki, a Pray the Word journal owner, recently told us that her favorite thing about her journal is that it gives her a routine to follow, but it's still flexible. She says, it focuses my prayers on God's word and guides me to pray for things I may not have thought of otherwise. I love that because that's exactly how we designed the journal to work, Erin. It really is the perfect prayer journal for today's busy mom. And I feel like Nikki most days as well, where I didn't even think to pray about this before. And here we go. So go ahead and make sure you get your copy of the Matthew edition of Pray the Word Journal right away at www.praythewordjournal.com. All right, Erin, let's go ahead and dive into today's topic, which is absolutely perfect for this time of the year. Thanksgiving is just around the corner, followed closely by Christmas and New Year's. I've seen some memes going around on Facebook lately that, that say it's, I don't know, I think I saw them like before school started. It's August 1st. Um, you know, happy Halloween. Th- happy Thanksgiving. Merry Christmas and happy New Year's like all together because it seems like once one of them hits, they're all just upon us. Like they're just there and, and they just come at us, you know, in rapid succession. Those of us who have kids who have left home for college or to build their careers or start their own families are going to be prepping our hearts and homes for them to visit during this holiday season. So you may have kids that have flown the coop, left the nest, and you know they're going to be coming home during the holidays at some point. Um, We're ready to help you with our guests today learn how to do that Honestly, Erin, it's so hard for me to even think about the idea that we're talking about the holidays again. Yeah. Okay. So there's no secret around here of Brooke and I's love for fall. Okay. But honestly, it's too short for me because it's like we skip over fall and we go right to the holidays, which I love. I'm, I'm all about the holidays. I honestly think that these last three months of the year should be like twice as long because I need, I need double the fall. I need, I need Thanksgiving to last like a week because I love like the food and the football and the everything that comes with Thanksgiving. And then I need Christmas to be like two months long. Like let's make Advent, let's double it. Cause I just, it, it goes by too fast, you know? And I'm saying that right now with kids that still live at home, I can only imagine how it'll feel when our kids are gone. And I just love this time of year because it's all about, family and celebrations and traditions and all of that. And I just wish it would last a little bit longer. Yeah. I don't even know what to say to our friends who don't get to experience fall. I'm sorry. Yeah. I think I'm just heartfelt sorrow for you. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We're sorry. You can come visit and experience it however long or short it may be this year. Who knows in Nebraska? (laughs) Same here in Virginia. (laughs) Did you grow up with Bob, Larry, and the rest of the VeggieTales gang? Now your kids can too with Minnow. Minnow is an ad-free streaming video app designed just for kids with 30 episodes of classic VeggieTales plus thousands of other shows that teach kids about Jesus. You'll feel safe letting your kids choose any show they want to watch on Minnow. You won't have to worry about what might pop up and there aren't any commercials. Visit GoMinnow.com, that's M-I-N-N-O. Use coupon code PRAYINGMOMS to begin your 
seven-day free trial and start streaming anytime, anywhere on your phone, tablet, TV, or computer. You can even download your favorite shows to go and stream on multiple devices at once. With Minnow, kids discover God in stories they love, and parents find expert help and everyday encouragement as they lead their family in faith. Minnow helps you have the conversations that really matter with your kids so you can experience the goodness of God together. Minnow, stories kids love, values parents trust. Use coupon code PRAYINGMOMS to start your free trial today at GoMinnow, that's M-I-N-N-O, Com. Our guest today is known for creating welcoming spaces and using her gift of hospitality to reach others with the love of Jesus. Jen Schmidt is a mom to five, writer for the popular faith site Encourage, and the author of Just Open the Door, How One Invitation Can Change a Generation. She's here today to lead us in creating a home our kids will want to return to. Jen, welcome to the podcast. Hey, ladies, it is so good to be here. We're so excited to have you. Take a second before we dive in and tell us a little bit about yourself, your family, and your, your ministry. What do you do? Well, absolutely. Um, my name is Jen Schmidt. I am sitting uh, on my bed right now with the door locked in North Carolina, but I come via Wisconsin. Born and raised. Go Packers. Woo! Lots of yeah. <laughs> I did this for Aaron. We yeah. found over the years. And um, we have five children. And it's crazy for me to think last year our eldest son just got married. So I am in a whole new phase of life. And then our baby just got her driver's license last month. So we have three boys and two girls. Um, so they have been just the heartbeat of our home. But um, 10 years ago, I started writing just kind of some of my musings at the website Balancing Beauty and Bedlam. So I'm really passionate about kind of going deep under the laundry and the meal making and the millions of directions that we're pulled in as moms and trying to just find those beautiful moments hidden among them. We love that. We've always been a big fan of yours. And what you just described is exactly why you're the perfect person to talk to us about this topic today that I think it's going to be really important for moms, you know, who have launched their children, maybe just launched them or maybe, you know, like you, they've been out there for a little while, but they're going to be coming back. We want to create something they look forward to. So, um, you know, a few different things that I could think of that makes you perfect for this one we just love the calling that God's placed on your life. It's really fun to watch you do your thing. Number two, you, you are in this season of life. You know, you're there, you're, you're doing the exact things that we're talking about today. And number three, because we know that making people feel welcome in your home is one of your passions. So when we asked you to talk about this with us, uh, one of the first things that you said to me was, I would love to do that, but we also need to talk about how creating that kind of home starts much earlier than when they've just left, when they've already left. So help us understand what you meant by that. I know. Was I a little bold with saying that? I thought, oh, but it's I'm true. The <laughs> title of what they want. Um, I guess what I meant by that is we see all these Instagram posts and we see these Facebook posts of everyone like dropping their kids off at college or whatever. And our heart's desire as moms is that we have already created a space that they want to come home with. And all of a sudden, when they're 18, if you haven't spent years creating that space before they left, and you've dropped your 18-year-old off, and you post an Instagram, come Christmas, 
they may want to come home for the good home cooking, but they may not necessarily want to come home to be with family. And so um, it starts earlier. It starts cultivating their heart in deeper relationships and family relationships. It starts by creating a safe space for them, um, diving into next level discussions, you know, before they leave so that things aren't, aren't a surprise, you know, once, once you drop them off at school. So I think there's, there's just a lot that goes into that, creating that space. Yeah. Yeah. And so like what you're, what you're mentioning is that it's not necessarily about uh, them wanting to come back. It's them wanting to be there at all. Exactly. Yeah. And here's the thing I will have so many moms and it's funny just cause I am in this space of launching kids, right? I have lots of discussions with peers that are my age and so many of the moms have this mixed feeling. So many of them are so ready for their child to be gone. And yet, of course, then they're also mourning the loss, but they're leaning more towards they're excited for them to be gone. And so where do we find that balance of not being excited for them to be gone so that we can start this new empty nest phase of life, right? That shouldn't be the goal. But where they're excited because they're waiting to see how God is going to use them, that they're waiting to see like, I am kind of a frazzled mess as I talk with you guys right now, because I just dropped our daughter off for the first time away from home um, and moved her into her apartment. So it comes with like, all those emotions. Now, she's 20. So we do a little something where um, part of our philosophy, and this is like, there's no right or wrong with it, but we have our kids pay for half of their college education. So the reason it took her to 20 to move into her own apartment is she went to college locally and saved money and then transferred to an away school. And um, so at 20, it's the first time that she's like lived on her own. So I am experiencing all those like freshman college feelings. Um, but it's amazing because as we prepared, as we prayed, as we thought through, she already said, mom, our dorm, I want it to be a safe space for freshman girls. I want to mentor them. I know how hard the transition is. It is awesome. Her roommates, they have an extra bed in a little nook of their apartment just so that they can invite friends if they need to get away from the dorm and sleep over. So already she's asking the Lord, how can my apartment be a ministry place? And so this is a good example of this didn't just happen when I dropped her off, right? It started over the last decade of her seeing how this open door living mentality and creating a welcoming home, that's become an integral integral, <laughs> integral part of you know who she is. And so whether it's hospitality or whether it's, Whatever it is, um, we start that and we build that foundation as moms before they leave. Oh, that's beautiful. I love that idea that she's already ready to welcome people in because she's lived through that. So, okay, you have sent them out and you're, I mean, having a relationship with adult children is very different from the relationships we have with them as tweens and teens. I'm saying that from my perspective as being the kid you know, and with my, with my parents, it's very different after you leave home. Cause I left for college and I came back for two summers and then I have lived in Nebraska since then. So I, you know, I 
remember that feeling of the relationship being so different living four hours away as it was in when I lived in the house. So what are some things parents need to remember and respect about their adult children when they come home for a visit? It's super, super tricky because here's the thing. We've always been the mom, right? And so in my mind, for the good, bad, and the ugly, I still kind of think that I know what's best for my child. And yet they are now at that age where they're having to slowly start peeling away. And that wisdom, while I want them to ask it of me, I've got to be sensitive to what is too much? Where's that balance? And one of the things that I really find is tricky is here we send them away for the semester, right? They don't have any rules really. They don't have curfews. They're not being told what to do. Their hours are not being dictated for three months. And they're whether they're at a Christian school, a public school, private school, they are experiencing all that the world has to offer. So we don't want to think, oh, well, my kid is at a Christian school. I had a son at a Christian school and he was introduced to lots of stuff. So, you know, we get past that. And so then they come home and all of a sudden we go back to, well, you've got a curfew, you've got these rules. And so it's finding that balance. And I think with our sons, because they're really the the three boys are the only ones we've fully lived through this. Um, we had to have lots of conversations when they came home because they still are under our roof and we still do have rules. And depending on what life stage they're in, you know, if they're making poor choices, if they're drinking, if they're into things that we don't, we're not going to bring that back under our roof. And so I think it's about establishing super clear lines of communication, especially the first time that they come back. So say they're a freshman in college and they're coming back for their first break at Thanksgiving. It is loving on them and letting them sleep in for as long and making them like blueberry pancakes with ice cream and just, you know, making them feel so loved and then sitting down and saying, hey, let's talk through this because we know that this dynamic has changed. You've grown up a ton in these couple months, so let's talk through it. And trying to find that balance where you are respected, but you're also respecting them too. And it's, it's, I mean, it's your house. So Mm -hmm. whether it's your child coming home or guests coming to visit, you're always going to have that kind of like, we don't allow this in our house type of thing, but you are not completely in charge of them anymore. It's not like, you know, you can tell them, uh, you know, please don't be loud when you come in whenever you came in because the rest right. of us are sleeping, but maybe you're not telling them you have to come in at this time anymore or, you know, th- those types of things. It's like, it's almost more of boundaries and right. just general like consideration for one another rather than being the parent who is in charge and, and controlling everything they do. Is that right? Is that what I'm getting? Yeah, because there's, Here's the thing that I found too, as we look over the last decades of parenting, right? The whole theme of the helicopter parent, or you've got the hurricane parent, you've got the controlling parent. And so kids are not growing up like they used to, you know, think back if we want to go historically back colonial ages, right at 12, they were adults. Good grief. 12 year old guys, men were running farms (laughs) and households, right? Now at 12, we're still like wiping their nose. I mean, it's a different. And so when we go to 18 year olds, we have not 
given them responsibility early enough. So we're, we're like delaying their, the maturity process. And so when they come home, it's trying to find that balance. And so I'm all about before they leave, making sure that they're kind of taking those steps towards maturity so that when we welcome them home, we can create boundaries of mutual respect um, that are all kind of part of your, your family goals and your family values and, you know, your purpose statement, really? Yeah, yeah I love that. I have an experience um, that was really my first summer at home after my freshman year in college. Um, I was I was working, not full-time, but I was working and, you know, saving money that summer. And I had gone to a house in our town. I wasn't far away from home, just five minutes away from our house to play cards with some friends. It was actually really quite innocent. We were just sitting there listening to country music and playing spades all night. That's what we were doing. But I got, I lost track of time and it was three o'clock in the morning before I got home. And I remember my, I walked into the house and my parents met me when I walked in the door and they had apparently been trying to call me and I didn't hear the message. They were just a frantic mess. They were really worried and all that. And I remember my dad said, okay, we're not going to talk about this tonight. Let's all go to bed. We'll wake up and talk talk about it. Yeah. Oh, it was wise. And we talked about it in the morning and he said, you know, we're not mad at you for playing cards with your friends. Like you're, you're, you're an adult. We, we respect that, but you were coming into our home and you, you would have woken us up anyways. Cause we have, we had one of those homes, like there was no way you could get in and out of our house without everybody knowing it. And so it's like, you, you have to respect that we would have been asleep at that time. And on top of that, we were trying to get a hold of you because we were worried about you and you weren't answering the phone. And he said, so we're not mad at you for staying out until three o'clock in the morning. Like I, that's not the problem. We believe and trust that you were not up to no good, but you got to respect us and respect our home if you're going to come back here and live in the summer. And my dad was always really great at handling that stuff, but it was a really eye-opening. It was kind of like that first thing that I remember, okay, our relationship is not the same anymore as it was when I left, um, left the home. So, you know, we've talked about a few things, some practical things that we can do to create that atmosphere uh, where our kids want to come home to it. And I think being respectful uh, on, on both ends is really important, respecting where your kids are in life. You mentioned loving on them and, you know, uh, creating an atmosphere where they're feeling, you know, loved and welcomed. What are some other things that we can do to, um, you know, things that we want to make sure we don't overlook as they're coming back home for, you know, let's say the holidays or the summer after college, what do we, what do we want to not overlook? And maybe what are some things we want to make sure that we avoid when they come home? Okay. Um, starting with over, like if we want to just be tangible about the kind of the warm, cozy, I am very much, okay. I am, when we talk about like type A people versus type Z, I am more on the type Z spectrum. So I never have this neat and clean orderly home, but with that to say, it's cozy And when people come in, they take a deep breath and feel like, I can be myself here. And so that is kind of an atmosphere that you want to create for your kids, especially because the stress of that 18 to 24 year old, I mean, there's just, there's amount of stress on them 
that is shifted since we were that age, right? What they're dealing with. And so I love to think of the five senses. And so I want to hit on all the five senses when they come home. Now, this is not across the board. This is not my home every single day. But for the most part, like I want to make sure when they come in, there's like good smells going on. And for those of us who have boys, we know that can be a challenge, right? So whether that's your, you know, your essential oils or your candles or you're having cookies baking, um, there's something so um, tangible about the smell. And so then I think feel like I have cozy blankets out. I want to make sure that there's cozy pillows when they come. I'm going to have music on. So I'm kind of thinking of the senses. I'm going to make sure that when they come home for the holidays, I've got some good meals. Like I have thought ahead, whether you're a cook or not, you can still have food ready because food is a way to not just tangibly feed our physical need, but it meets that soul need, especially if they've had cafeteria. So I always think before they come home, okay, five senses. And then I try and create that environment because it's just cozy, right? It's cozy. Um, some of the things to avoid, or I think that are good for, for parents to remember, like our feelings are going to get hurt. Just know, because when they come home, they have friends that they want to get together with. They have other people. And I, I had a hard time that first time thinking, oh my goodness, they've been gone. They don't want to just come home and spend it all with me, with the family. You know, it was kind of that breaking away. So I had to realize this isn't about me. This is about a healthy stepping stone towards maturity that um, I'm launching them well. But I, I will have to tell you my first experience with our son, and this will go for parents who, you know, maybe have boys who you're just ready to, you're ready to launch them, right? They are a struggle. Well, our eldest son, he kind of typical firstborn, he was so sure of himself and he was like so ready to be on his own. So the last couple of months I would hear often like, I'm so ready to be out of here. And that like kills a mama's heart. I mean, that just broke me because I loved him and we had a pretty good relationship. And I kept thinking, why, you know, why does he want to be gone? And so he left pretty cocky, like he was going to conquer college, right? And I'll never forget about six weeks in, he had called and text and all of a sudden I missed his call. He tried a few times and I thought, oh my goodness, something is wrong because my son never calls. And he had a little quiver in his voice and he just wanted to talk and he got choked up and he apologized and just said, mom, I never thought that I would deal with homesickness. I never thought when I went away that I wouldn't know exactly what to do. And I just want to apologize. He said, I really can't wait to come home. And when in that minute, it was like, thank you, Lord. He was taking that step into manhood that it's okay to want to come home because we were created for home right? Not just a physical home, but the Lord has embodied in our hearts. We were created for a home, which we know is heaven. But there was that small moment where he realized he was created for home. Yeah. And so that shifted our relationship and opened up new avenues of communication. And we didn't know his first year away, he struggled with real loneliness and depression. This is our kid who like conquered the world. And we had never a thought in our mind that he was going to struggle with any kind of depression and transition. And so I think it's good as parents launch, 
you want to find the balance of, you don't want to be calling them all the time. But with our daughter, I asked her as I was on the way up, I said, let's set, tell me how often do you want to hear from me when you first go? Like, I don't want to be that mom who's bugging you needing every info detail. There are a lot of moms who do that. Mm -hmm. That is not good. We got to let them go. Right. Um, But I also didn't want to be so hands off that she thought I wasn't missing her. So we had a good discussion about that and it was really helpful in the process. Um, So parents know that they're going to want to come home and see friends or they're going to have another social life. And so then just talk to them and just say, Hey, you're home seven days. I'm not asking a lot of you, but I want family meal on Tuesday and Saturday night and just tell them what your, your expectations are. Don't just assume they can read your mind. Yeah. I think that's a great point that we have to understand that they're going to want to be with other people as well. And I, you know, as you're talking, I'm just having flashbacks of, you know, the way things were when I came home after college and and that kind of thing. And even just last night, my 12 year old, so my husband is on a midnight shift right now. So he's working overnight and he's been doing this our whole married lives. My kids have never known anything but dad working shift work. And so we have these little rituals that we do when dad is on a midnight shift, especially with my younger son. He tends to be the one that really likes those rituals. And so last night was the first night of the midnight shift and he chose to spend the night with a friend instead. And I was like, I wanted you to choose me. (laughs) So I already felt it like he's 12 and I already felt that, you know, I want you to choose me, which is, is something I think sometimes uh, can, can happen, especially between moms and boys, or maybe even dads and daughters that, that opposite sex, there seems to be something there, but I had to let him go. He chose to, he chose to be with his friends and it wasn't wrong for him to want to be with his friends. And so I needed to, to make that not about me. So I can, I can see that happening even now as my kids are very young. Yeah, Brooke, you mentioned rituals. And actually, that makes me think I am passionate about creating traditions. And so that is what I have realized. And when I say, okay, creating a home that kids want to come home to starts early. And traditions are going to play a huge part in that. They don't have to be big, grandiose traditions, but just those small little things. Like I look at traditions as the we all a family. Like we always do this. We always go to the mountains and cut down a Christmas tree. We always sleep under the... Um, tree on December 23rd and watch It's a Wonderful Life. You will be surprised at those small little things that you do over and over when they come out, go away. Oh my goodness. I broke a few traditions the last couple of years. And now they're, they're like, how can you do this? How can you stop? You know? And so start little small traditions because those are the things that your kids are going to want to come home to um, because That's part of your legacy, you know? I was just thinking through that and thinking when I was a kid and we went to my grandparents, um, there were always, there was always game playing involved, board games, card games, all of that. Now um, that my parents are the grandparents, my kids are involved in that. And I can see that they watch us adults enjoy playing games together. And that's something they look forward to when family is together. Like you're talking about traditions, but sometimes it's just like these things that you don't think are like labeled as traditions. Um, But like you expect when you go to grandma and grandpa's, everybody's going to be playing games and you look forward to that. Or, and I, I love that my 
kids know that as adults, we still play games together. You know, sometimes the kids aren't involved in it. And maybe when they launch and come back, they'll be like, I get to stay up and play as an adult now, you know, with that. Um, and things like, I mean, we do pizza, homemade pizza every Friday night. I can just picture in my mind that if I didn't have that, when they came back from somewhere, that they're going to be upset because we always do homemade pizza on Friday nights. You know, like they came back from camp and they're like, we're having homemade pizza tonight, right? I mean, like that's just a little glimpse at the things that matter to them. It's like, we know that we do this and I look forward to it. Yeah. It, and it, it's interesting because um, it creates such long lasting bonds in their memory, like ties. And so even like you said, if, even if it's a recipe or, you know, you're, you always know that you're going to make this when you come home, it can be little things, or we always, you know, did breakfast in bed. And sometimes it was Eggo waffles with whipped cream and sprinkles, or, you know, just, it doesn't have to be these big things. Sometimes we, we always overthink. And if you overthink it as a mom, then sometimes it doesn't happen, right? We overstress about it. So if we just think simple, simple, but consistent, that makes such a difference. Yes. Yes. I love that. Simple, but consistent. Very good. All right. The focus of our ministry here at Million Praying Moms is to help parents make prayer their first and best response, not the last resort, when the challenges of parenting come their way. So can you list a few things you think parents need to be praying about or praying for as they welcome their grown children into their homes? So you're expecting them back for fall break. What should you be praying about for them and for your home as you wait for them? Oh, okay. So I went... That is a good one. And off the top of my head, I'm trying to, I specifically have certain prayers that I'm praying over my children or praying over my, my parenting. And I guess it ties in. I think it ties in. So one of the verses that has been this year really important, especially as I've been, um, we've spent a lot of time discussing worldview, like at, before they leave, I just really go over worldview and trying to put in a solid foundation. Um, but John three eleven kind of jumped out to me in new ways. And I tie it also into hospitality because it says, we speak of that which we know and testify to what we have seen. And when I think of worldview, like that Christian life and our thought life, our theology needs to be cruciform, right? It needs to be the shape of the cross. So not only do we need a vertical component straight up, but we need that horizontal component that reaches out to others. But when I dove into that verse, and I'm going to say it again, we speak of that which we know and testify to what we have seen. I dove into that and the Greek for to know, it's not just head knowledge, it's rooted in an experiential knowledge. And I think that that is super important for when we're talking about creating a home they want to come home to. Because if we are lip service with our kids, when you look at the statistics that 75% of kids are leaving the faith, it used to be that they came back. Now they're not coming back. And I think it's because I'm speaking broadly here, right? Or looking at my own heart. There were so many times that I was lip service and I was trying to impart like, spiritual words or advice or the rules in place. And yet we need to make sure that they are seeing it fleshed out and lived out. And that when we mess up, we're asking for forgiveness and we're talking through sin areas with our children, our own sin areas. Like they know what I struggle with. They know those different things. And so 
I go back to that first and pray, Lord, may I not just speak it, you know, may I do it, may we experience it as a family um, to both know and to do, you know, hears of the word, doers, all of that, right? There's that tension there. Um, so I kind of pray that over our over my children. It was funny. Last week we had a discussion about the verse, um, and I don't have it right in front of me, but being the fragrance of Christ. Um, and you're, you know, either um, life or death. And someone, I remember, I wrote that in a post, and somebody said, oh, that's just so, it's Christianese. It's such Christian. You don't say the the fragrance of Christ. And I said, well, it's biblical. And since I'm about creating cozy, and my daughter and I had this big talk. I said, honey, you're going into your apartment. You, she wants it to be cozy. She's like, mom, what, how can I make it cozy? And we talked about the five senses. And then I was able to take it and apply it scripturally and just say, we want you to be that fragrance of Christ. Like there is going to be different aromas at school. Okay. And the funny thing is there's a lot of aroma of marijuana in the apartment next to her. So that's the difference. Percy, yeah, that's a whole nother podcast. That's oh my goodness. <laughs> we use that. And I said, you know, that's aroma that leads to death. <laughs> Let's make you aroma that leads to life. And so we kind of talked tangibly. And I made the Christianese verse into something very practical that I hope that she can, you know, really consistently think about in her apartment and her time too. I love that, Jen. I do so much because so much of being a parent is just making the Bible practical and alive and relevant for our kids. So many times I think kids look at the Bible, probably the ones who who are leaving the faith and not coming back, and they're thinking, what does the Bible have to do with what I'm living through right now? It doesn't apply, or it seems antiquated, or you know, outdated, or those kind of things. But the reality is that everything applies. Everything applies still. And it took me a long time to feel comfortable with doing that in my home with with being the mouthpiece for them that way because I often felt like I don't know what I'm talking about you know I don't, I'm not sure how to do that as a mom but if we do it and we look at verses like that and we try and relate them in real life terms to what they're going through what they're experiencing the Bible just comes alive and they can see it they can exactly. see it at work in their lives yeah, and, and talking about it all the time. I mean, and it was interesting too, you know, Proverbs 14, 12. I love how the Lord brings scripture into our morning time, just at the exact time that we need it. And so as I sat there talking worldview and, you know, have I, have I imparted all the things I need in the next two days, you know, <laughs> trying to talk and Proverbs 14, 12, there's a way that seems right to man, but its end is the way to death. And I don't mean to be morbid on death, but I thought as we're launching our kids, everything seems right to man, right? And yet it's just being, um, just praying over them that the Lord would be ever so um, not practical, but that he would show himself um, alive in that day-to-day of their, of their life, you know? So. Yeah. I wanted to circle back around to that John three eleven you are talking about, because I feel like that's a really important thing to be praying before they yeah. come back home because um, the conversations can get really interesting when they've yeah. been gone. And I, I can say that from personal experience, you can get into political, religious, uh, you know, news items, and they have not been in your house and views may have changed. They may have heard different 
you know, perspectives than you did. And if we're praying for, you know, the truth to be, you know, rise to the top and for their worldview to be that, you know, through everything through the lens of Christ and, and through their faith, like that can help smooth some of that over. Not that we won't ever disagree on anything, but if that's, you know, if Christ is over all of it, then we can have that peace in conversation, even when there's disagreement and there can be healthy discussion rather than they came home from school, they talked about this and we all got in a fight and everybody hated each other by the end of it. Because it's new to have them not right there discussing things as it happens. Their viewpoints are ever being shaped outside of our household. Erin, I think that is such a great point. And that also leads to, right, during those high school years, starting before that you welcome hard discussions. Like I, over and over, I'm like, guys, I don't want you saying you believe because we believe. And and so we've got to create an atmosphere that if they all of a sudden come up with some kind of a, a thought process that is in complete antithesis, like complete opposite of what we believe, that we are not going to attack them. And for us, we've got to, you know, welcome them to the table. And those kind of discussions are always best over like hot fudge sundaes or apple pie, right? Bring them around the table. Chocolate, chocolate exactly. helps with all of that. And yep. Make those hard discussions part of your regular mealtime, part of your family discussions. Right now, like we're not seeing eye to eye in our own family about certain aspects in politics or whatever. And it is good because we know that those discussions are welcome at the table and we're going to talk through. And if we believe iron sharpens iron, we are both going to look more like Jesus at the end of those discussions, hopefully, because our hearts are sensitive to other perspectives. Now, if they're completely in opposition to the word of God, then we need to talk and say, hey, this, you know, for instance, um, extended family had a discussion, uh, right, about the whole um, gay marriage aspect, right? And so we were in complete opposite of what we believed, but we had this beautiful conversation that didn't end in everybody shaming each other, but that just said, ended with, hey, we, we love each other. We, we both want to emulate what we feel Christ is saying here. Let's, let's talk this through. Let's, you know, and I think we need to start that. We can't start that once they're away at college. We need to start that earlier because when they come back from college, holy cow, it's going to get, the conversations are going to be that much more feisty, right? Yeah, it is. And I think it's, a point that I feel like I've heard you say several times is that it's naive. It would be naive of us to think that our kids are going to come back to us exactly the same as they left. Like we have to understand that we are sending them away to learn. And so we have to expect that they're going to learn. And sometimes they're going to learn things we wish they hadn't learned, but, but they have to be able to have a safe place to work through those things. And if we can be that for them, Oh, just praise the Lord. I mean, we really, we've tried very hard, even, you know, with our kids being 12 and 14 and even younger to make our home a place where hard conversations can happen. And and I'm not saying it never gets heated, but we want, we want to be the place where they come to ask those hard questions so that we can continue to help them through that. So I love what you've just described. That picture is, is beautiful and exactly what I'm hoping we can create in our home as our kids get older. Right, because anybody listening, they're listening because they want to create 
countercultural kids, right? They want them to be the, they want to be shaping the world rather than having the world shape them. But in order to do that, they have got to come into, into contact with opposition. They have to come into people into play with people that think different you know we need our table to look more like jesus table which is welcoming people from all different uh, lifestyles and backgrounds and socioeconomic things and then when they see us modeling that and at and pointing other people to jesus in the context that is maybe not familiar outside our comfort zone then we're essentially kind of making a safer path for them to go out and do the same, you know, because I tell our kids all the time, I'm like, ask the hard questions, ask any hard question you want, because he is faithful. His word is true. And I know that when you ask those hard questions, you might wrestle a little bit. It might take you a while, but if you are praying that truth is revealed, I have no doubt that it's going to point them right back to the gospel. Awesome. Well, Jen, I just want to say thank you so much for being with us. This has been a great conversation, and I think there's nuggets of truth in here, not just for the moms who are listening that are getting ready to welcome their kids back home, but also for those of us whose kids are still in the home to be thinking now about what we can put into place to make it a place, make our homes a safe place for them to want to come home to. So we appreciate you so very much. Tell our listeners where they can learn more about what you're doing right now and how they can get involved. Okay, sure. Most of the time you can find me over on Instagram at Jen Schmidt underscore beauty and bedlam. My blog has taken a little bit of a sabbatical. It needs to uh, get back up there, but there is 10 years worth of great information at beautyandbedlam.com, including money saving tips and recipes and lots of parenting things. Um, my latest book, uh, Just Open the Door, um, kind of covers some of these things that we've been talking about because if we want our kids to come home, we need to open the door to them, to their friends. They, It needs to be a place that they know we really honestly want them to come home to and we want their friends to come home to. Um, I feel like when I'm making these decisions, I'm not just parenting my own kids, but I'm parenting the, my grandkids, my future generations. And so how I am welcoming people now is going to impact how they welcome me as a grandparent. So it's kind of a generational thing that we're doing right now. Yeah. And I love following you on Instagram. Okay. Well, first let me start with this. Go to her blog because the recipes are fantastic. And that's from, we have literally known each other probably for 10 years because we all started blogging around the same time. And my my middle child was born right before I started my blog, like two months, and he just turned 11. So that means my blog is 11. So like we all started around that time. So I have tried so many of your recipes over the years. So go find those. But I also, I also love following Jen on Instagram because your designing and decorating with thrift store stuff is awesome. Like I'm always like, how did she make that stuff look so good? Like, it's so fun. So like, if you need decorating ideas that cost like very little money, Jen is your person to go for it. Cause I can't follow the people that decorate from all the like expensive stores. Cause I'm just not going to do that. Like it's just not my thing. And, and anybody can do that. It's so funny. Okay. And ending on that. So my daughter, we're getting ready for apartment. We needed to buy. So I had a budget and said, okay, we'll do this. Well, then the budget was met. 
And then she wanted, oh, this cute blanket basket and this. And I said, okay, honey, you need to do what your mother has done, what our house is. And I said, if you need a blanket basket, you go to Goodwill and buy it for $2 and we'll spray paint it. But I put a limit on her and I said, your bedding is so much nicer than what I own because I would thrift store shop for it, you know? So I do live what I put up there. <laughs> yes. I love it. It's so much fun. Yes. Thank you for doing that and keep doing it. So people <laughs> like me that don't want to spend $3,000 on decorating my home, have some inspiration. Yes. All right. That's it for today, friends. As always, you can find any specifics from our show in our show notes at millionprayingmoms.com including a link to Jen's fabulous blog with recipes and to her book, Just Open the Door, How One Invitation Can Change a Generation. Tune in next week for another episode of the Million Praying Moms podcast. Have you ever considered yourself a messenger? Whether it's mics like this, bookshelves around the world, stages to take or art to make or perhaps businesses to build, it's time we start testifying truth unashamedly, creatively and in love. My name is Tamara Andress, the host of the Messenger Movement Podcast, which is designed to catalyze Christians to speak, write, build, and testify. If you're ready to turn your message into a movement and want to run with other messengers doing the thing at scale globally, search and follow the Messenger Movement Podcast on your favorite podcast platform today or lifeaudio.com.